your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. What's up, Bills Mafia? Can't wait to talk some Buffalo Bills football with you. You can hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports. I'm, of course, Mike Lindsley. This is the Pandemonium Podcast, all a part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Follow Built in Buffalo all over social media, including Twitter at Built in Buffalo underscore. Uh, really love to have you aboard. We're growing every day. We've got seven days a week of Bills content and uh, certainly a lot going on these days with Stefan Diggs getting that big-time extension uh, and and Brandon Bean figuring out more ways to <laughs> save money under the cap. We're going to get into that and so much more with uh, our good friend Joe Biscalia, the Buffalo Bills beat man and insider for The Athletic. Joe, welcome. How are you, man? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, It's been a minute, but it's always fun chatting Bills with you. Yeah, well, I appreciate you, uh, you doing this, and, and you obviously do a hell of a job. Uh, covering the team. Let's start first with the Stefan Diggs deal. Uh, so many ways to go with this thing. Uh, a, how important was this for the Bills to get it done? And B, what's the most impressive part about how Brandon Bean arranged this thing in your mind? Yeah, uh, it was important um, to get it done right now. The timing of it specifically, because you know, the, the Bills have done a really nice job throughout the entire offseason, you know, this whole Jordan Poyer thing notwithstanding now, but they've done a really nice job to control what they can in terms of um, rewarding their players that they believe are a, a legitimate piece of their long-term puzzle, adding uh, really fascinating pieces to their defense like Von Miller and Tim Settle and Daquan Jones and, and bringing back Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips. Like it seems like that they've done all of these different things to kind of um, reshape or maybe even resuscitate this locker room a little bit to where it kind of takes back some of that uh, some of that charm that they had back in 2020 when they first burst onto the scene. What they wanted to do with Stefan Diggs, especially to get this done right now, is to take care of their guy for a couple of reasons. One, because off-season workouts begin on April 19th. And you don't want any sort of this this looming thing hovering over the franchise because everybody in that locker room knows that Stefan Diggs is one of the most important people there. And so you don't want that to be a topic of conversation within the locker room because that can create a little bit of disharmony. Now, the other part to this is because of how the wide receiver market is kind of coming along here. So they saw that Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, they all they signed for huge money deals and and you know, rightfully so because those are two of the best receivers in the NFL. Stephon Diggs is also a top ten, maybe top seven receiver in the NFL, maybe even higher. Um, but they needed to sneak this in now because not only did those upper echelon guys like Hill and Adams get paid, but there are were three other entrants into the 20 million per season wide receiver group. That being Chris Godwin, who's a really nice player, probably not as good as Diggs at this point, and he's also coming off a torn ACL. Mike Williams is now a 20 million per year player with the Chargers, wow. and DJ Moore of the Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. who's really good, has a lot of talent, but he just hasn't put up the stats, probably partially due to the quarterback play. But still, it's it was about time for Stephon Diggs who is getting paid less per year than Robbie Anderson to, to get his, to get his due. So they took care of it. 
and they snuck it in right now before a slew of other deals might come down the line. That being DK Metcalf, the Seahawks, he's in the final year of his deal. Debo Samuel, the 49ers, he's in the final year of his deal. Terry McLaurin of the Commanders, same sort of deal. Cooper Cup has only two years to go on his contract, and he was basically, you know, almost the league MVP last year. And then you have Justin Jefferson, who's eligible for an extension next offseason. So the wide receiver money is just going to keep going up, so they need to get in the door real quick. Did the Bills get better up front offensively or defensively? If you had to pick a side, where did they improve, you know, pick picking one versus the other? Yeah, I, I, I think you have to go with the defensive side okay. of things. And I think that's where they uh, believe there was – the most room to grow from last year because that offensive line that they had right at the end of last year was a pretty good unit. Um, Darrell Williams was their weakest link in my mind down the stretch of the season. Uh, Spencer Brown probably uh, was, it was one and two between those two guys, but they're not going to move on for Spencer Brown. He's, he was only in his rookie year. Darrell Williams just kind of looked slow out of place for the, for the offensive line. So they moved him on and brought in Roger Saffold, who's more of a, more of an athlete, and now basically their offensive line seems set, at least where it is now. The defensive yeah. line, they did so much. Yeah. I mean, Von Miller is the headliner, and he's still a really stinking good player. And and as soon as he got to the L.A. Rams last year, it, he looked like hmm. maybe not the Von Miller of old, but he looked as dynamic a pass rusher as you could find right now out there. And they did a really nice job in securing him might be, might've overpaid, but they needed to, to bring a guy like him in into camp. But then you've got other assets that you're adding, like uh, Daquan Jones, who I think is going to be a really nice one technique uh, defensive tackle for them and run stuffer that can also kind of get up the field and, and penetrate the pocket. Um, Tim settle is someone I think fans are going to absolutely love uh, just because of uh, how big he is, but also how impressive of a mover in, in getting into the backfield he is as well. I think he's going to uh, play a pretty substantial role. And then you add Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson to the mix, and then you're basically telling your three young guys, Epinesa, Basham, and Greg Rousseau, okay, figure it out this year because you've got some competition now, and if you're not going to bring it on a weekly basis – then they have no emphasis to put them into the lineup and give them legitimate snaps. So I think they really did a nice job on the defensive line, and I think that could be a big factor for them this season. What's your latest mock look like? Well, <laughs> the, the most recent one I did was uh, the ever non-popular running back idea at number 25. <laughs> um, it... Uh, <laughs> it did not go over well, and but I knew that it would not, and that's not the reason that I did it. I, I actually believe that it has a chance of happening if they stand there at 25 because this is a team, and the way that they've attacked the offseason, a lot of their resources have gone to the defensive side of things. Now, they did add O.J. Howard. They did add Roger Saffold, and Jamison Crowder was a was a was basically a better minimum just a little bit above it, but not really too much else to really hammer home their fastball, which is their explosive offense that we saw down the stretch of last season. So the running back idea to me is kind of fascinating because I, I think there might be a little bit of a reverse effect going on in the NFL based on the way that defenses played offenses like the Bills, like the Chiefs, like the Chargers, heck, like the Bengals down the stretch. Um, they've been going with this too high safety look that has really discouraged teams 
from trying to throw the ball deep down the field and you have to settle for all this underneath stuff quarterbacks get frustrated because the the things can't open up and and these offenses are getting are getting pushed off the field a lot quicker than they used to be so now i think the the counter to that and this kind of plays into the signing of oj howard is a lot more uh versatile offensive schemes and, and looks and going more too tight end which the bills did a lot down the stretch last year and and providing the threat to run to an opposing defense that's when the bills were at their best last year yeah. not not when they were just throw the ball throw the ball throw the ball throw the ball the threat to run was very evident into how they really pushed forward last year so to me i think the the running back point if you can find the right guy and Brees hall is the one that i picked uh, out of iowa state if he has the three down potential that you look into and that that you think can develop well um into a zone or move based uh running blocking scheme then it's it's worth it for to a certain degree and then when you factor in that devin singletary is on the final year of his deal there's nothing really behind him right now and if you really want to get to crunch the numbers from a salary perspective running backs have the lowest fifth year option total of any position in the league because the league has devalued it for so long. So you're not putting your franchise at risk of um, signing the, the really unnecessary second contract with running backs because the league just chews them up and spits them out. So by locking that player in for five years, you don't have to push, you don't have to try and project this guy into the years 27, 28, 29 years old when, when a lot of these running backs are falling off a cliff. So that's why I think there's a little bit more to it than most do. But uh, I don't think I would have said this this time last year by any means, but I think the NFL is evolving. It wasn't too long ago, and I think maybe some people are still asking the question, but not as much. Can Patrick Mahomes get better? 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl win, been to multiple Super Bowls. Uh, Can he get better? Is it possible? What about what about what about yeah, Josh right. Allen in comparison to that? That's where I'm going with this. It, it yeah. is are we there with Josh Allen? That's my question. Uh, I think there's still some more room to grow, but he's he's pretty close okay. to to that ceiling. Um, there's just some little moments of inaccuracy, but his decision making has has just absolutely become so much better since when they first got their hands on him, and that was one of the biggest points to kind of work work with him and develop him into what he is today. Um, the, the It's really just putting the ball where you where the receiver would prefer it to be to, so that way they can turn up the field and get yards after the catch. He's really good at it. He, he, he does have some times where that wanes on him a bit, and that would really be the only area that, that I'm seeing of, of where he, uh, he can grow a little bit more. I suppose he can, um, and he learned this later on in the year after that too high safety was so prevalent against them, uh, to be more patient and to really just take what's what's coming at them as opposed to really trying to force it down the field. And if that's not there, then running around until you have to immobilize, mobilize yourself mm-hmm. and, and try to put yourself at, at liberty of, of taking a hit. So those are two slight areas that I think he can get better. He can get better. Um, I don't know that he'll match his 2020 
season where they just came out like gangbusters. But I do think that uh, he can be a consistent um, a consistent player from maybe just a little bit below that echelon to where uh, to where he's being a little bit smarter with it, but still being just as effective as they start to develop that threat to run a little bit more against these defenses. Talking to Joe Buscalia from The Athletic, the terrific Bills beat reporter. Um, you can get him on Twitter at Joe Buscalia. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic as well. It's just a terrific platform. Uh, my favorite part about it, by the way, Joe, is, is well, there's two things. One, I, I get lost, and I mean that in a good way. I get lost on the app and, and the website because there's just so much content out there. You can dart all over the place, short form, long form. I love that about it, but man, no pop-up ads. Goodness gracious. It's worth every penny for that particular reason. Yeah, and you uh, get access to my colleague uh, Dane Brugler's uh, draft guide, which is phenomenal. like se- 1,700 prospects. Yeah. Uh, they call it the beast for a reason. Like I, my editor had to had to chip in on the cornerback section, and he's like, "Yeah, I just edited thirty two thousand words for the <laughs> cornerbacks alone." So imagine multiply yeah. that by all the other positions. Yeah, no doubt about it. The 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 slot position here, right? Like Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie, is that going to be straight up a platoon? Yeah, I, it kind of feels that way right now, and it would even more so if, if they added a receiver at some point in the draft that could give them some reps at slot receiver. Um, but I think those two guys are, have contrasting skills, and I think that's a good thing for, for what the Bills are trying to do. I also kind of believe that the Bills might be venturing towards uh, devaluing that slot receiver position just a tad, not like a crazy amount. But it, a lot goes back to what I was touching on with the running back idea. Like, the Bills signed O.J. Howard, and they're going to utilize him a lot more than uh, what they did last year with two tight end sets because they just didn't have a second yeah. guy. Yeah. So, to me, the, the, obvious, the obvious answer of who comes off the field when a second tight end comes on the field is the slot receiver. Mm-hmm. So, Jamison Crowder will be out there to help move the chains. He's really savvy at working the zone and and he, he can really kind of wiggle himself open, and, and that's that's going to be a, a nice little player to have. And he hasn't really played with a, a great quarterback before, so I'm very fascinated to see what he does with Josh Allen. And then Isaiah McKenzie still gives them that jet sweep speed um, uh, speed option. I don't know that they really value, look at him as much more as like a wide receiver 3.5 or 3A or 3B. Um, and it, the idea that he can grow kind of got shot in the foot a little bit by for how little he signed. And it just kind of shows what, what the Bills and maybe the rest of the league thought of what he could get on the open market. So, yeah, I think I think those two guys will platoon. And, um, you know, maybe they had a rookie in the second, third, fourth, fifth round to, to compete for that slot role, but uh, nothing too grandiose to where they're going to start pushing like guys like Stefan Diggs and, and Gabriel Davis for time. The new stadium, um, what's your reaction to how it came to fruition, you know, where the money's allocated, all the, kind of the whole thing here, Joe? Yeah, I mean, we always had a good idea on, on where it was going to go and what type of stadium it was going to be. My uh, coworker Tim Graham has just done an incredible job throughout the entire process of breaking down what's truth, what's reality, whether people wanted to hear it or they didn't. 
um like i heard oh put it down in the, put it downtown put it uh make it a dome so they can host events like the super bowl and you know all the way through tim was like you know it's it's okay to like wish for these things but it's not it's not going to happen they want orchard park they, it's the most uh economically feasible thing you know they're, they're going to do an open air stadium um what's compelling to me is uh some of the stuff that that came out uh from the owners meetings is because i'm a big soccer guy and i i love the way that the um the miami dolphins stadium uh, since they're since they've done some reconstruction how that is kind of molded and they've got covering over all of the uh most of the seats i should say and i think the way that they they brought up uh the the stadium the stadium company that they're going to be working with populous is you know talking about tottenham out in london who just did a state-of-the-art football stadium out, out that way and it has a lot of the same sort of characteristics where it's you know more inclement weather than what miami sees so it's going to be a little bit different but still covered seats and things like that so i'm very compelled to see what the the first few mock-ups will look like and uh, you know orchard park I know people wanted it in the state uh, downtown, but I, I mean, it, it just kind of feels right to have it Orchard Park because, you know, going to work every day, it, it, it's, it's always been there. So I guess it's just kind of a, hey, keep things the same. So maybe that's a selfish take by me. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I think I think they've done a nice job with it. Now, uh, what the, the real um thing with the real thing to look going forward is how these new stadiums are publicly funded you know percentage to cost from this point forward and how the the bill stadium relates uh from that standpoint i got two real quick ones can you just sure. go back to i want to talk to about von miller again a little bit here um i know that you've been just all over uh his game tape um you know what are some of the things that people don't know when you're watching film on von miller um, that, that he can bring to the, to the bills, you know, some hidden, hidden gems, hidden secrets. Yeah. Well, I mean, two things, he's a really good run defender. Um, and I know that's, that's probably not what people are going to want to like hear about first, but he's, he's really good at containing the edge. And if the running back dares to try to get outside, he's got, uh, long enough arms to keep the offensive tackle off his pads disengages and makes the tackle in the backfield for a loss. So that's one aspect to his game that I really liked. And if the run's going to the opposite side and he's free, then he does a really nice job of closing and, and, and backfilling on, on those plays. As a pass rusher, I was pleasantly surprised by how well he utilizes power. Um, going into it, I had a preconceived notion of Von Miller. I mean, you, you hear it all the time. You're like, oh, this guy, the bend around the edge, the mm-hmm. speed, the explosiveness. Like, that's that's what Von Miller is when you don't take a – a hard look at him, but how nuanced he is and how instinctive he is and how he recognizes plays, I think really blends into him being able to project well moving forward. I went in expecting to see a lot of the explosiveness and bend and maybe even an over-dependence upon it, uh, but I did not get that at all. He, he used it sporadically to the point where when he did utilize it and did that crazy zero gravity bend around the edge that, um, that it caught the offensive tackle off guard. So now I, I think 
utilizing the power the way that he does and being able to strong arm and, and get and keep players off his pads, I think that is the the biggest source of optimism that that I came away with for him projecting into age 34 and 35 seasons. Final thing. I've always been a believer in this. I don't think it's hyperbole. I don't think it's overreaction. And this is a general Buffalo market question. Um, in, in specific sports markets with multiple teams, two, three, four, whatever the case may be, oftentimes you see one team having overwhelming success and the other ones have to kind of catch up. But other clubs and other front offices are affected by it. You know, you can have a really popular team like the Bills, but man, I'm telling you, when the Sabres are in the Stanley Cup Finals, I mean, you know, Joe, how much that town loves its hockey as well. Um, do you think that what the Bills have done has affected the Sabers and their their recent turnaround here with their you know with with that thinking, almost like a almost like a Washington Nationals to Capitals feeling, right? Like the Caps win the Cup, now the Nats catch up, the Red Sox, you know, catch up a little bit to the Patriots. Now all those Boston teams are are, are kind of bouncing off each other. Do you do you believe in that? Do you subscribe to that? And do you believe in that? in the city of Buffalo. You know what? That's an, that's an interesting point. I, I haven't really considered anything quite like that. Um, just be, probably because it's either a, the bills have sucked for a long time or B <laughs> the Sabres have sucked for a long time yeah. and they haven't really messed up all that. The well. droughts. Um, yeah, you're right. The, the droughts are very real in Buffalo from one franchise to the next. I do wonder if, if maybe they saw some of the success in, in popularity uh, of what the bills did from a, roster structure standpoint and how they kind of went about things you know sometimes you have to wave goodbye to popular players to pave the way for for things to regenerate for you and uh, sometimes hanging on to the same guy and the same core of, of players just isn't the smart thing to do we saw when the bills first arrived in 2017 they jettisoned a bunch of big names i mean sammy watkins marcel darius uh, Stefan Gilmore, they, they let him walk in free agency uh, without getting anything for him. So there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of big names that that did not continue with the Bills, and much the same with this current Sabers kind of genesis to where out of nowhere they're super likable and like my friends will I, I don't really watch hockey all that much, but my friends uh, from from home will will text back and forth and be like, uh, I'm ready to get hurt again by the Sabers. <laughs> it's like it's like you know, and a lot of this was was brought on by the by the Eichel trade and allowing uh, guys like Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs and to really grow into this this really likable core. Um, and I, I do think that there's a little bit to that. And uh, you know, I don't know. Of course, the Sabers got to handle their stuff with development and everything like that. But I, I think uh, that sort of buzz around the city is contagious if you can if you can capture it and uh and i'm sure the, the sabers will hope the bills can bring even more buzz this year joe biscali does an unbelievable job covering the buffalo bills for the athletic go get him on twitter at joe biscali and subscribe to the athletic today theathletic.com for more information joe you're the best thank you buddy oh uh, thanks so much for having me mike anytime <laughs>